So uh, if anyone happened to stumble across this, this is a slightly different episode of our podcast. Maybe you're just a huge Christy Swanson fan and you just listen to every podcast about her. But uh, this is a little unusual because we are a Buffy podcast, but we usually do the Buffy TV show, not the, the weird movie. But since we just finished season one, I thought it would be cool to do the movie. Uh, maybe cool's the wrong word, but here we are. <laughs> you know, we're going to do the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer film. Would you say it's like a, an amuse-bouche? Or no, wait. <laughs> what is it like a thing between courses, you know, at fancy restaurants? A palate cleanser? Palate cleanser. This yeah. is kind of a palate cleanser, yeah. I think. An that's what Apartif. it says. Apartif. <laughs> wow, Mike, you're so good at pronouncing these words. Yeah, it's because uh, I took French uh, in high school. So, yeah, you can yeah. tell. Are French people in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh la la. So uh, I guess we'll do our traditional setting the scene of where we are in time, because this oh, is yeah. a significantly different time. Like every week we've been doing like what's the top whatever's of the week that episode of Buffy came out just to, you know, remember the times. But this is jumping all the way back even earlier than I thought it was. It's was actually 1992 this came out. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, July 31st, 1992, cost $7 million and made $16 million, So it did okay. But I actually thought I expected a lot more than that because I just feel like this was the you know, like we were saying earlier, this was the Dude, Where's My Car of that summer. It was the dumb movie that everybody went to see. Yeah. But I guess actually not that many people went to see it because that's not a ton of money. Yeah. In my memory, it was like a big deal. Everyone saw it. It was like, you know, those types of movies with like Valley Girls and stuff was like super hot at that time. So this was like the first time it was like, oh, yeah, you put one of them in like a weird like paranormal situation. It seemed like a recipe for like a hit. I didn't even see a movie until 1996, like in the theaters. So <laughs> you are you are a youngin. Was it uh, Wild Wild West? No, it was the very Brady movie. Oh, oh, that's not the worst. Yeah, could be worse. There were no movie theaters where I grew up, so when we moved to the big city, I was very excited to go. What's the big city? St. John's. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, neat, though, because like, I don't remember what the first movie was that I saw. So being deprived gave you a clearer memory. Yeah, because I was not, I mean, I was older than most people are. Like most people see their first movie, I assume, under 10. I think I was 12. So 11 or 12. It was old enough. I'm sure I saw some cartoons first, but the first movie I remember seeing in theater was uh, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Mm. Nice. And I loved it. So the top movie this week, you'll be shocked to learn, was not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and, uh, what? I'll do like our little like guessing game for this stuff, except for the movie, because like there's just no way, because I've never even heard of this movie. It's Mo Money, starring Damon Wayans. Oh, yeah. Oh. I remember that. You know that movie? Yeah, Damon Wayans and uh, another, it was like, it was Keenan Ivory Wayans or something, right? Oh, that was your first movie. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> It's weird, too, just this fucking nobody, nothing movie, because listen to the lead up to this. Listen to what the top movies were like the whole summer leading up to this fucking Wayne's movie. There was Basic Instinct, Lethal Weapon 3, Patriot Games, Batman Returns, wow. A League of Their Own, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Like a bunch of super famous movies. And then this week, Buffy couldn't even beat Damon fucking Wayans. <laughs> yeah, and I was wondering about like uh, 16 million. How does that actually, how is that with today's money? Yeah, in today's money, it's 17 million. <laughs> yeah, um, because Batman Returns that year had a, a gross of $162 million. So um, oh. Buffy failed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big time. 
So the top album of this week in 1992, again, uh, I don't know how to give like, I'm not like a, an official music trivia man, so none of these are going to be tough. I'll give you like a hint, but I don't know how to give hints that aren't very obvious. <laughs> so we're just going to do that. This will be a very easy game. It's by a guy whose daughter is now very famous. Oh, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> this is Billy Ray. <laughs> oh, it was Achy Breaky Heart. Does anybody know the name of that album that had Achy Breaky Heart? No. Uh, is it Achy Breaky Heart? It was called Some Gave All. Okay. I don't I don't like it. Which I assume is probably about like the probably the soldiers from the south, I assume. <laughs> you know, or something. Probably something wrong with that title. Something racist, I assume. It <laughs> yeah. is what country music is generally about. Especially back then. Man though, we just missed by one week was a pair of young lads who wore their clothes backwards. <gasps> Chris Cross. Yeah. Ah, Crims Cramps. <laughs> a Mac Daddy making. Do you remember how the their follow-up song to that was... Uh... Was it about that guy who got, who like, their friend who committed suicide or something? Oh, maybe did they get deep later? <laughs> yeah. No, because their very next song was very stupid. It was called I Missed the Bus. Uh... I remember that. <laughs> it's like, I missed the bus, and it was something I will never, ever, ever do again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are 12. <laughs> like, yeah. stupidest song in the world there was one really intense song on that album i remember it even sounded scary and it was about like a friend who died or disappeared or suicide or murder or something oh adam's song i think let me just run through the top songs real quick before we get into this film <laughs> so we got a different song for america europe and canada damn i just <laughs> okay the america one you know how back in the 20s, everybody thought flapper girls were hot, which, you know, super skinny girls with no boobs? Well, at this point in 1992, we thought the opposite. And a certain knighted gentleman had very distinct <laughs> thoughts. Oh, Sir Mix-a-Lot! My back. God, what a beautiful description. <laughs> the Europe song, uh, I'll just say the band is named Snap! Exclamation Point. Oh, it's... um. Oh, snap. Is it the, like, it takes two to make a thing go right? So, so close. Oh, damn it. Um, Anyone got a Hail Mary pass? I'm going to be so fucking pissed. Is it the Beatles? Rhythm is a dancer. Uh, yeah. It's the same goddamn song. Totally. <laughs> uh, and then Canada. God, we're so lame. Our songs are always the worst ones. It's, uh, I don't know, this chick can sing such a high pitch that I think she can break glass. I think I heard somewhere. Mariah? Yeah, I'll Be There by Mariah Carey featuring Trey Lorenz. I watched the movie last night and we had a scheduled power outage like the city warned us in advance that our side of the street and it was from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. or 9 a.m. Oh, scheduled from 9, yeah. Yeah, so like it was like, okay, so I have to wa- turn this on by like 9.30 at the latest or else this is going to be completely cut off. And I did start it a little bit too late because I was really avoiding watching this. Like, you guys made me not want to watch this so bad. But the power didn't go off till like, 11.30. Oh, nice. So you made it? So I got it through, yeah. Wow. I did like that this movie was, like, a hot 85 minutes or something like that. Yeah. It was, like, an yeah. easy watch. Yeah, I liked that. I mean, as painful and terrible as it truly was. <laughs> it was short, and I give it that. Yeah. It ended swiftly. Yeah. Thank God. I guess my overall thoughts about this movie are just... I'm not, like, overly disappointed by it. It is what it's supposed to be. It's just a really dumb, you know, summer, stupid movie. I guess the main thing that disappointed me about it is... 
like the kind of bad characters and the bad acting and the bad plot and the bad everything are just like, yeah, I expect all this to be bad. You know, it's fine, whatever. But the one thing it should kind of maybe excel at is fight scenes. And those are also bad. They're fucking terrible. They're really bad. And I'm like, that's the one thing you could have done okay. And you didn't. <laughs> so that's my main thoughts about Buffy the film. Yeah, I think for me, this movie is an interesting artifact of maybe like studios meddling in movies a little bit too much. I don't know, I didn't do any huge research into this, but you know, there's discussion out there of how much the studios meddled in Joss' original, Joss's original script uh, to change things. And it does make me curious that he made this movie, or got this movie made, and then decided, I'm going to make a TV show that's the right way that this thing should have been made. And it's strange to have this artifact that still exists of the first try at it it is very clear like it's hard no we can never know for sure exactly you know what his original thing was and his vision was but it really does seem like they completely missed the mark on like if if his vision was even anything similar to what the show is they missed it on almost every level i didn't know what to expect at all like i had never even i didn't know there was a movie I don't know when I found that out. I knew it was a show, but I never knew it was a movie, maybe until we started doing this. And from, like, the imagery I've seen, it looked kind of, I don't know, I expected it to be, like, dark and, like, not funny at all. And then last night, Julian was like, no, it's, like, there's kind of some stereotypical tropes, and it's, like, a teen movie, and it's supposed to be this, like, cool teen movie. But uh, it was still just so unenjoyable for me. (laughs) Like, I love... I love, one, everything Keith hates, so that was promising. (laughs) And two, I love bad movies, like Sarah Jessica Parker movies. I just love so much. I just know I'm going to love a movie with her in it, and most people wouldn't. So I was excited, and I thought it would be kind of like, you know, the 90s teen movies. And it just wasn't, and like, it just, it didn't, the story was so bad, and they took so long to set anything up, and then when things happened, it's like, they just happened so fast that it was so meaningless, and I really had trouble paying attention. Yeah, there was only really one scene that I kind of liked, and I'll be curious when we get there, because when it happened, because I think me and Ram both like, you know, dumb teen movies quite a bit, and uh, there's this one part I really liked, and I'm like, I wonder if Ryan also liked this one part, because <laughs> like, and we'll see when we get there. Okay. But yeah, it's weird, because yeah, that's always the story that I, I had heard too, of like, Joss, you know, had this vision, he wanted to do this thing, and then the studio fucked it all up and made this weird movie. But even even with the example of the TV show... I mean, just last week we had that amazing speech from Sarah Michelle Gellar. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like this is so good. Like this can be good. But even knowing all that, I can't imagine how this movie could have been good. Like I just I'd love to read the original script and see how different it was, because like I just can't see it. I'm like, I don't see how this ever could have been more than this. Really, you could have tweaked little things, but this is just really stupid. (laughs) So. Because like uh, another example is uh, Joss always said he didn't like how they like he wrote Alien 4, Alien Resurrection, the one with Winona Ryder, and then they fucked it all up. But you actually can get his script and it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. Like, but with this, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, this thing just seemed doomed from the start. I think there's other examples. I think like X-Men, I think, was also similar where he felt even though that movie was a successful movie. I think he kind of hated their changes and stuff. He specifically said that with this movie, that Donald Sutherland was the only name on the movie. And Donald Sutherland himself apparently fucked with the movie a lot, like just changed stuff on the set and stuff. But again, I just have a hard time. I mean, obviously, he's my boy because he's from the same province as me in New Brunswick. But 
and he's President Scrooge in Hunger Games. Like, he's just cool. But, uh, like, I just can't imagine how Donald Sutherland could have fucked your movie that bad. He's just a guy on the set. Like, I don't know. <laughs> just, I, I can't even imagine. Like, yeah. I would love to hear, like, a Joss Whedon commentary track about, like, all the things that... Because he almost did that with Alien Resurrection. He said he almost made his own commentary track to put online just to vent how mad he was but he's like this would be very unprofessional (laughs) so he didn't do it but i wish he would i wish he would go back to all his old stuff and just talk about like here's where they fucking fucked me but also how how many things is joss what is he doing that makes things get fucked with so much yeah well i think back in this day way back in 92 it was just that he was just nobody he was like a staff writer on roseanne like he just had no power at all and then he slowly worked his way up till like avengers was the first time that he couldn't be fucked with anymore. Mm, okay. And then even after that, they started fucking with him. So, I don't know. Yeah, and, like, the way that he writes dialogue, I think, I feel like it's, like, very specific. And I think people understand it now, but I feel like it was maybe, on paper, it seemed weird. And the example I always think of is, like, in the X-Men movie, there was, like, a line where it was, like, what happens to a frog when it gets struck by lightning yeah. uh, or something? Because Storm is, like, going to electrocute Toad. Yeah. And then she's, like, the same thing as everything else. And the way the line is delivered is like this big epic line, the same thing that happens to everything else. (laughs) Or like clearly the way Joss had intended it was like more of like a throwaway kind of like whatever, same thing as everything else. What a stupid question, yeah. And that's what he complains about. He's like, that was one of the only lines that of mine that they left in the movie and they delivered it like an insane person. (laughs) That kind of makes me think like if a studio is coming in to meddle with a script like that and they're rewriting it, you know, do they take joss's dialogue and then say oh this is kind of campy and then turn up the camp to a thousand percent and you end up with the buffy movie like i mean yeah maybe yeah i think there's definitely some of that going on because like we'll get to like Wee herman's death that <laughs> i thought was really funny at the time and no i fucking loved it don't yeah, even it, it is it's like a really great moment and it's one of the few things i remembered about this but it doesn't make any sense either. Like, no. it's clearly just like an outtake, like a funny thing he did on the set and they just left it in the movie. <laughs> so it's weird. Like, it is a great moment. But if Joss was in charge of the whole thing, I think he would have been like, you know, for the greater good, let's not do that. But these guys didn't give a shit. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, like, we'll put that in the we'll put that in the credits or something, yeah. Yeah. which they did also do that. <laughs> Bloopers. <laughs> Wasn't there like a cold open of like in the past or something? Yeah, there was. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I wrote down like it's the most setup that we've seen, even including the show. Like, yeah, I thought that was interesting. We never got that kind of history in the show. Yeah, it explains like how Slayers come to be and that they have a birthmark, which is the mark of the coven that is skipped over in the show altogether. So that's one positive. I was like, hey, like this kind of gives background on why. These people exist. Honestly, as an opening, I thought it was like super effective. It was like they were in the past. They kind of explained the concept of a slayer. They explained the lore a little bit. Yeah, really fast. Then they just smash cut to, oh, cheerleader. A cheerleader scene, yeah. And it's like, oh, great. I Now I fully understand what this movie is and this, it's been on for 30 seconds. Yeah, and the 30 seconds were great. Like I liked, I liked knowing that. And then it goes straight into a high school cheerleader scene. I was like... What a perfect start. Like Julian was still sitting. He watched it last week. So I watched this on my own, but he was still with me for a few minutes before he left. And I was like, this is fucking great. I love this movie. And he's like, okay, bye. And walked away. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of those things too. We were talking earlier about how all the potential Buffy spinoffs that they never made. That seems like it would be a a gimme is like, let's just do an anthology show about 
old flares. Seems like it'd be kind of cool. But then I guess it maybe would just be the same story over and over, just yeah. with different period-appropriate clothing. <laughs> and then just a girl fights a vampire for a while and gets killed. Donald Sutherland was in the cold open? Yeah, he's the uh, the watcher. In the past? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I watched this movie like a month ago, so I'm having trouble remembering. But yes, so Donald Sutherland, so is the Watcher always the same? Yeah, he mentions later that he, in this version of the lore, he is reborn constantly. Okay. Yeah. So instead of a different Watcher for each person, they all get to deal with big fun time Donald Sutherland in his hobo clothes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So he's just reborn. So if he dies then a new person is born that looks exactly like him, and now that's the new Watcher? Is that the idea? I mean, it's unclear. While he's a little kid, yeah, like, what happens then? Is it just a real rough time for those Slayers when they have a six-year-old Watcher? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, trying to do a training montage with a teen girl. Or maybe he just rises up out of a pile of rags, and he's just a grown-up man again. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it, like, because we were talking in the show how the Watcher's Council is not well explained, but it's way better than this. This just causes so many questions. <laughs> like, what do you fucking mean yeah (laughs) like are you benjamin button do you just go old and young again what is this yeah and this is skipping way ahead but like giles having a loose explanation of what he is and what he's doing there he didn't seem like yeah he is creepy but it just like they did their best this fucking guy stands in a corner looks down and with his eyeballs up at her all the time and it's just like uh, yeah, he's 100% creepazoid, like, the whole movie. It's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I, it was so awful. Yeah, and we'll get into the pacing and stuff, I'm sure, but it was his relationship to Buffy was so insane, where it was like, she hates him, she's not comfortable with him at all, and then in the next scene, he's training her, <laughs> and they're like best pals. <laughs> yeah. Even that first introduction scene where he's, like, skeeving on her in the gym uh, while she's there on her own, Buffy accepts the fact that there is, like, vampires the second that the guy starts talking about her mole or about the nightmares. I don't know, one of the two. And all of a sudden, she's, like, captive audience. Either way, she's like, oh, yeah, I had nightmares. Oh, yeah, true. So I guess vampires are real. Oh, is that, by the way, is that the smell of piss on you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, he really seems like a creepy hobo. And, yeah, he does give off that leering molester vibe, like, the whole time. So weird. Yeah. So they didn't have, I love the Buffy font, like the Buffy font in the show is so cool. The big elaborate B that looks like a crazy, I don't know, it's just like a really cool font for Buffy. They did not have that font yet. They just had standard pink lettering that just said Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, that was rough. Uninspired. So that's a great start. So uh, Buffy in this version, I definitely, the first thing I noticed about her is she's definitely much more stupid. Like Buffy in the show is like misunderstood or whatever like you just think because she was a prom queen and a cheerleader and a popular hot blonde that maybe she's dumb but she's totally not dumb where this buffy says ah the ozone layer yeah we definitely got to get rid of that like she's just a full idiot yeah she's more (laughs) she's a lot more um cordelia than buffy yeah there was nothing main character about her like it wasn't and she was stupid but then her friends were stupider but then she wasn't smart like she was there was nothing about her that it made it be like oh yeah this is the main character even when they were showing the cheerleading scene at the beginning i was like which one's buffy like i don't understand who i'm supposed to be focusing on right now if anything like and i don't know what happened to this girl but there was like the willow-ish character the one who was like smart and with them and being like 
oh, this, uh, the environment. So what can we pull out from this? And when they started giving their stupid ideas, she was the most interesting character with the girlfriends. I hated this Buffy so much. Yeah, like I guess this was more along the lines of, yeah, that original idea of the girl who dies in the opening of every horror movie. Now she's the hero. But yeah, it's just, it's really underdeveloped. Like it's much better in the show where it's like a whole different conversation about whether Buffy from the show really is like a feminist icon or is she not or whatever you can have that debate but this buffy is just sucks <laughs> this buffy is nothing yeah. yes <laughs> so this movie also features uh, a young david arquette and a young luke perry rest in peace and a young hillary swank yeah oh that's who that was i was like i fucking recognize that person yeah who's that big mouth bitch yeah holy yeah. shit Nice. An Oscar, future Oscar. I think she's an Oscar winner. Yeah, or um, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, or even uh, Boys Don't Cry. Maybe something. Anyway, very famous actor of the future. David Arquette. I love him so much. He always plays this just like lovable dummy, and he's just so adorable. It really was one of my favorite parts. Every time he popped up, he's so cute. Yeah, it's actually he goes by David Cox Arquette. I think future WCW champion. Yeah, uh, David Arquette. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's, uh, I think this is a good episode to veer off a lot and to go into tangents because, yeah, fuck this movie. But yeah, this is a great Luke Perry and David Arquette. Hey, Julian, let's have uh, the wrestling minute. Hell yeah. Because both these people are very involved in wrestling. So, yeah, David Arquette, they made him WCW champ in the late 90s or whatever, and it was ridiculous. He was, because he was a wrestling fan, and he's like, everyone's going to hate this. They're going to be so upset. But it was just to promote a movie, and it was just bullshit. Yep. So everyone made fun of him ever since of like, oh, the worst champ ever. But just in the last few years, David Arquette got back into wrestling to prove that he respects pro wrestling and he wants to, like, redeem himself. And he has these crazy matches and they did a whole documentary about him and it's awesome. Like, he's the coolest. And he's got this weird feud going on with a a, a Toronto wrestler, RJ uh, City. RJ City, yeah, Yeah, who is fucking wicked, who's at those super kick shows all the time and stuff. Yeah, he's great. That documentary, I believe, is called You Can't Kill David Arquette. And it is partially about uh, a death match that went wrong where he almost died. Yeah, David Arquette did not fuck around, like, did crazy matches, like, insane. Yeah. I honestly gonna watch this, like, immediately. This sounds like <laughs> my kind of movie, yeah. Yeah, you, like, gotta respect it. And then uh, Luke Perry. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. His son, Jack Perry, has just recently become a pretty famous wrestler. And he's really good. Yep. And it's so cool because, like, Luke Perry died unexpectedly. I think it was a heart attack. He was only in his 50s, I think. Aneurysm, I think. Yeah, it was really unexpected. But what the the one little silver lining to that sad story is his son got signed to this major wrestling company right before Luke Perry died. And he said they had this little conversation because obviously Luke Perry went through that of being a young, famous person. So he told his son, Jack, he's like, hey, man, it's happening. Like, I've been here and now you're going down it. And like, you did it, man. Uh, I'm dead. Oh, God. But at least right before he died, you know, he got to he got to know that his kid made it and everything was going to be all right. And I just think that's a little better. It makes yeah. it feel a little less sad. That's nice. Yeah. There was actually a, a leaked recording of that heartfelt moment between father and son. And you got it bang on. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, speaking of famous ass people in this movie, this was also Pee Wee Herman's first major role after his masturbation scandal. Yeah. Which this was such a huge deal back in the day. And it was so unfair where obviously Pee Wee was held to a different standard because he was uh, on a kid's show. But he was in a porn theater 
watching a porn movie, and he got arrested because he had his hand on his dick. And it's like, why does this fucking place exist, and why is it playing porn movies for the public if you can't touch your penis, America, you fucking psychos? Yeah. And it just, like, ruined his whole career, and it's like, what the fuck? And the way it's reported was, like, he was at a screening of Bambi, you know? It's like, <laughs> he was at a porn theater, and that's what happens <laughs> at porn theaters. Yeah, it's not like he jerked off in front of a bunch of kids or something. Like, this was the most understandable time and place yeah. to touch your own dick. We really did focus on the wrong things back then. Like, yeah. I remember just being like, oh, he's disgusting, because I was a kid, and that's all I heard. Yeah. But meanwhile, there's just, like, men literally raping dozens of women in Hollywood, and it's a-okay. Yeah, meanwhile, Bill Cosby <laughs> was a man who was alive at the time, and no one was paying attention to that. No, they're just giving him TV shows. Yeah, they're just, oh, he's the greatest. He's the greatest in the world. Yeah. So this was kind of cool that, yeah, you know, they gave Pee-wee a role, and he was good in this movie. He had a little goatee, and he, he didn't even really seem like Pee-wee Herman. Uh, Paul Rubens is his real name. But I like that every once in a while, you could hear the Pee-wee come through in his voice, like, just a little. Yeah. <laughs> that was charming. He got a lot of play in this movie, though. I think he was actually in it more than Rutger Hauer, who was the main yeah. vampire villain. Like, in some ways, Paul Rubens was the main villain. He was in it more. Yeah. And we can probably try to find these here and there, but another kind of prototype of the master, I felt, was Rutger Hauer. Like, yeah. it was like the whole thing was like Pee-wee was trying to raise him up and everything, which was like, we kind of got in a much more coherent and satisfying way in the series. Yeah. So I also found this movie, maybe this is one reason why it didn't do so great, is uh, even though, yeah, this kind of movie was kind of popular, this still, it felt really dated for 1992. Yeah. Just the way everybody talked, like, like we care, I'm sure. You know, like that super Valley Girl dialogue? Yeah. And that makes me think of like their, um, Nick Cage's first movie was called Valley Girl and everyone talked like that. And there was a song called Valley Girl by Frank Zappa. And they're both from like the early 80s, like 1983. Like this is still 10 years late for being this Valley Girl. So I thought that was like, I was assuming it was on purpose. Like they, they knew it was dated and that was like a weird commentary on this high school. Yeah, but no, wasn't this like kind of trendy at the time? Like the Clueless and like Legally Blonde and all these kind of movies with like, uh, you know, Valley Girl type characters as the lead. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it was. Yeah, I think just specifically the way they talk, like the super California, like, oh, gag me with a spoon. Yeah. You know, like in Clueless, they didn't talk like that. It was extreme. Yeah, it was definitely, it was a little much in this movie. The one I wrote down, because it, <laughs> no one would ever say this in any of these worlds, was, excuse much? Rude or anything? <laughs> 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 oh, we also got, this is actually probably my highlight of the whole movie. We got a new word for boobs. <laughs> Instead of bobos, David Arquette says that Buffy's yabos defy gravity. <laughs> yabos! <laughs> yes! Yabos! Yabos! <laughs> so perfect. And then he gets bitten and turns into a vampire. But yeah. <laughs> it's because he said yabos. Yeah, I love that. Because yeah, like bobos was swiped from She's All That. But yabos is Buffy canon. That oh, is yeah. an official Buffy word for bobos. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I also think that at one point they referred to a vampire bite as a really gross hickey. <laughs> so. Uh, so then I guess we kind of talked about this, but yeah, Donald Sutherland rolls in. He looks all homeless and creepy. He's watching Buffy do gymnastics. He says her Slayer training should have started years ago. And yeah, like this is the thing that happens a lot in this movie. Like she's really putting up with him. Like, she should just immediately be screaming that a weird pervert is watching her and like, get the fuck out of here. But she... 
what's the word? She just puts up with this conversation because it's a movie and they're the main characters and they're supposed to be talking. <laughs> but it's totally, you know, there's just no reason. And then eventually as the conversation goes, then he mentions that he knows about how she's been dreaming about past lives. So at least that's something. At least that's some reason for her to be like, oh, okay, he does know about these dreams that I never told anyone about. But to get there they slog through this whole weird conversation that would never happen and they would never have. <laughs> so this was my logic in like figuring out, as we all know, Rain's stupid. Um, <laughs> so my logic of getting through and figuring out who this guy was, I wrote, OMG, is this creepy British guy Giles? Oh no, this man is real bad. And then he says, you'll come with me now. To the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes to the graveyard. And then she Holy goes. Fuck. Like, you know, hey, we, we never blame the victim around these parts. But if something bad had happened yeah. to her, it'd be like, well, walk me through this story again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? This guy in a trench coat asked you to go to a graveyard and you said, okay, Merrick. Merrick. No, no, it's, it's fine. He told me he, I was special. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely a good rule. Never go to a second location or never go to a first location if it's the graveyard <laughs> yeah. i think there's an addendum to that rule yeah definitely i definitely noticed too so yeah like obviously in the grand tradition of buffy characters having fanciful names so luke perry's character's name is pike uh donald sutherland's name is merrick the head vampire's name is lothos and David Arquette's name is Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not everyone can have a cool name, you know. Yeah, but Pike isn't a name. It's a fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they go to the graveyard and... Uh... Her name is Buffy! I'm sorry. Her name is Buffy. And this is one thing they did bring up to the TV show. Because again, they're just making fun of Buffy's name. And her name was Cordelia. And the, whatever. It's, it's insane. These names are insane. Aphrodisia. That's what it is. Holy shit. So Donald Sutherland takes Buffy to the graveyard, and I guess this is like makes sense of just the easiest way to make her believe in all this stuff is like, let's just watch a vampire rise from the grave. But right away, it's like, man, this really is a goofball movie. Like, this is probably the kind of thing Joss was talking about that he wouldn't have done. Because like this vampire just like flies through the air, like it's clearly just someone on strings. And it's like, I've risen. And it's like, wow, that's that's really bad. (laughs) And then we find out that Merrick is really bad at vampire slaying because he gets wrecked immediately. Do you think that his son was... Was it, wait, wasn't Kiefer in a vampire movie? Lost Boys. Yeah. Do you think that his son got so famous with a vampire movie that he was jealous and wanted to one-up him? Yeah. Maybe. Because, yeah, Lost Boys is a great example of, like, it's it's also, it's like a glossy, it's like a magazine, you know? It's like a, a shallow movie, but it's a really good movie. <laughs> Where this is a shallow movie and it's real bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, she... Uh, She's still resisting this, like, training, you know? He's like, oh, you got to come after school and do training. And she says she has cheerleader practice. So he just follows her into the locker room to keep harassing her. Like, he's just the creepiest. It's fucking ridiculous. But then finally she acquiesces and they have a training montage. And that's the one thing I like about this Buffy is she is, like, really athletic. Like, she seems more legitimately like she could kick someone's ass than Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. But other than that, everything else about her is fucking lame as hell. I looked her up, too, because I'm just like, you know, who knows what else she's been in. And again, one of those cases of like she was in stuff. She did things, but best known for playing Buffy in the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like this was the the beginning and the end of the road. Yeah, very unremarkable. They went into some like weird lore that was like totally unnecessary or something about 
her menstrual cramps being related to her being a slayer. What was that about? Do you guys remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. She gets cramps when there's a vampire. Or something, right? I, I wish I wrote down more details, but there was something about it. This is what I wrote. PMS isn't a weapon, but it's an alert system. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's her spidey sense, but... Her spidey sense? So that was, like, really on the nose of being, like... I could be wrong, but I feel like it also was, like, the vampire's know when she's on her period is it something to do with blood or am i reading too much into it that's what i assumed but i really paid less attention to this than i should have (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't even write it in my notes because yeah i just was like i don't know i don't know where they were going with this (laughs) whatever yeah it was not right before we find that out i wrote another quote down that was so good i don't know who said it It was probably giles i know his name isn't giles his name is merrick (laughs) (laughs) i knew merrick actually what that's a real name? Yeah, I did. Yeah, in Newfoundland. Holy shit. Yeah, America. I knew him. This is America. <laughs> don't catch me. Vampire and... I don't know. <laughs> um, the cardinal rule. One vampire is a lot easier to kill than ten. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the cardinal rule. Which, by the way, is applies to everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's nothing that's easier to kill when there's ten of them. Nope. Sure isn't. <laughs> My last note. I got really into it. My last note after this was... I love this funny vampire, which I assume was about Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I did notice, like, Pee Wee, I paid special attention to Pee Wee, and uh, he attacks Luke Perry, he's clinging to the top of Luke Perry's van, and just for a moment, you can totally hear the Pee Wee Herman voice, because he's, like, holding onto this van, and he just goes, wah! <laughs> 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 and it's like, that's full Pee Wee right there. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so Buffy rescues Luke Perry, and this is when I first noticed, yeah, that these fight scenes are really, really shitty. And again, so the same way that she just kind of, uh, I'm going to remember this word. What is the word? (laughs) Fuck, I can't remember the word. But the way she puts up with uh, Donald Sutherland and she just, you know, even though she shouldn't. Same thing with Luke Perry. Humor? Humors him. Yes, she humors him. (laughs) Thank you. Wait a minute, listeners. She humors him. (laughs) Humor. But just the way that the the characters just hang out because it's a movie and they're the main characters and there's no other reason. It's the same thing with Buffy and Luke Perry. She takes them to her house and it's just just random as hell. Like there's really no particular reason for them to keep hanging out and for her to bring him to her house. And it's just because they're the characters in the movie and the plot just needs them to talk to each other. (laughs) It's like, okay, good job, I guess. And since Buffy still has her cheerleading responsibilities at the basketball game, Donald Sutherland just tags along again. So this time it's a whole fucking just gym full of high school kids and Donald Sutherland. And is like, it wouldn't even be so bad if he had like a Giles style little tweed outfit or something. But he's always the rag man. It's just like, why is he dressed in these baggy clothes that have to smell like cat pee they definitely have to there's no way they don't even like the i'm sure the wardrobe that the actual actor had to wear smelled like cat pee maybe that's what he did yeah to just ruin the movie set is like he did this daniel day lewis shit where he's like i'm gonna pretend that i haven't changed my clothes in a hundred generations just the worst method actor yeah so while they're at this basketball game, one of the players has been vamped, and it's a lot like Teen Wolf, except instead of werewolves, it's a vampire. And then this was the last famous guy that no one realized was famous at the time. One of the players was Ben Affleck. Wow, oh, cool. Two future Oscar winners. Remember, uh, he sees the vampire, and then he's holding the ball, and then he hands it back to him. He has one line. He says, like, here, take it or something, and he gives him the ball. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that was him. No, he says... Uh... Argo, fuck yourself. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. He says, my mom's name was Barbara. 
<laughs> so has this has this Ben Affleck humor working for everyone? Is this good? <laughs> so Buffy steals a vampire. Steals a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, steals a motorcycle so she can chase after this vampire. And very offensive 1992 nonsense where the biker calls her a dyke. But then I do feel like he kind of saves it because he yells, I'm telling the world. <laughs> I actually thought that was kind of funny. Like, what a weird thing to say. But telling the world what? That she's gay? <laughs> so? <laughs> so? So that was 50% terrible and 50% uh, kind of funny. So I guess, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, what was his plan? I saw a girl riding a motorcycle. <laughs> tell everyone. Tell all your friends. You won't believe it. And then Luke Perry just happens to be around, and he goes along with his fucking motorcycle. And he has just the coincidences in this movie are becoming ridiculous. Like, they're in L.A. It's a huge city. You might go years without bumping into this guy, but he's just always around. I don't know. Maybe he's, like, stalking her. I don't know. I think it's just a bad movie, probably. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd lean towards that. <laughs> yeah, think, yeah, I'd hazard a guess. <laughs> and then speaking <laughs> of wild coincidences, so Buffy and Luke Perry, they fight some vampires in an amusement park, and then they walk a few more feet and they just happen to bump into Lothos the head vampire. It's like, oh, that's convenient. I guess, again, maybe the vampire was leading them there deliberately. But again, I'm just not sure. Maybe or maybe it's just a terrible movie. <laughs> it could be either. Yeah, it's easily either of those things. I'm going to go with terrible movie again. And I guess quite a bit again, like, you know, this guy is similar to the master. Buffy just falls under his thrall, but just immediately, just 100% falls under the thrall of this guy. And Donald Sutherland shows up and just gets stabbed. So yeah, there you go. Good, good for you. I guess he doesn't care, right? He's going to be reborn. He probably is like, he just gets tired of his job probably. And he just gets stabbed after a while. (laughs) He's like, whatever. I told you about vampires. I'm done. So I was reading, um, apparently... The original script had Lothos about to kill and turn Merrick into a vampire and Merrick kills himself, like shoots himself or something like that uh, before it can happen. And they bring that plot point back in like some Buffy origin comic book that came out in like 99 or something along those lines. But yeah, that's a fun, dark thing that was going to originally be in the script. And they were like, Maybe maybe don't have one of our lead characters murder himself. <laughs> Although it, it would be better than, yeah, like him just getting punked out. Like, I wonder, maybe this was one of those Donald Sutherland interfering moments. Maybe he's like, I don't like this. But it would have been better than this. Like, he does just show up and get stabbed right away. <laughs> it's like, that's fucking awful. You fucking suck. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then Sutherland gives her some weird speech about how, like, her unorthodox ways will lead her to victory, even though there's no evidence that any of this or why that's anything. Because she's just still just sucks. She just sucks so bad that, that the head vampire just leaves. Uh-huh. It's like, you just suck so bad. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just leaving. And uh, Buffy tries to talk to her friends about her tough life, but they're even dumber than she is. So she's all alone, except for Luke Perry, who's just, you know, sniffing around still. <laughs> just won't, <laughs> won't go away. And let me see. What do we got here? Lothos decides that he's going to attack the Slayer at the prom. Because why not? You know, might as well. And uh, there is a preparing for the prom montage that has a Matthew Sweet song. So that's cool. Again, it's not a famous song. It's not a song I've ever heard before. I just like Matthew Sweet. So that's cool. Nice. So, uh, yeah, Buffy shows up to prom. And man, this dress really accentuates her yabos. Oh, yeah, they're (laughs) defying gravity. Yabos. I love those bubbles, Buffy. (laughs) It just reminds me of, I was watching some random YouTube video about... uh, bra sizing i don't know i just figured it's interesting to know about these things that i've never experienced in my life and it's just like 
I just remember it saying like, you know, don't get and when your bras are too small and this is what happens. It just like pushes your tits up to your fucking neck and like, don't do that. That's not the right way to fit your bra. But that's what this dress was doing. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> Her boobs are just like, blomp. like I'm amazed they didn't fall out. Can you say another thing you learned from that video? That's all I remember from that one. But like, I watch all kinds of weird shit. Like there's a whole YouTube subculture of uh, nurses of just people that do nursing and they do little videos for each other and just talk about working at uh, old folks homes and stuff and just like you get to learn about the whole little world of their tough weird lives i've seen a lot of those on uh pornhub <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can i guess what um how bras work yes <laughs> you want to hear my guess about how the bra sizes work okay sure. okay so you got a number and a letter right yeah so let's say uh, i don't know 51b <laughs> 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 okay, did I make a mistake already? So B51? Uh, what is Holy it? Holy shit, that is the funniest <laughs> sizing I've ever heard in my life. 51 is quite <laughs> wide. Like 51, I'll tell you my size. I'm a, what am I? I'm a 40C, okay? And I'm not a small lady. My boobs are average. A 51B is like relatively small boobs. And just like on, on a tree trunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay well that was going to be my prediction that the number is the circumference of your body and the letter is represents the size of the cup is that right yeah so and the way that you measure it is like you measure your rib cage to get your number and then you measure right at the like fullest of your bust and the number of inches in the difference is each inch represents a letter. Oh, wow. So if I was like a 40 here and a 42 here, then I would be a B because that's uh, A, B, it's two up. So zero would be A? a zero Like if it's 40 and 40? I mean, that yeah, that's less than an A. It's quite small. And what's even more complicated is there are, you have a sister cup. So I don't know what mine is, but like, I can go down a band size and up a cup size and it'll fit very similarly just because of the way that bras are built. So if you don't have your sides available, you can use your sister size. Oh, your sisters. You can wear your sister's bra. Yeah, but they, cool. are, they are cousins. Yeah. They're not sisters. Well, I think I learned something here today. Yeah, about our just learning about them yaps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, so this was the one scene where I was thinking, I don't know if I was like, I wonder if Ran was also into this scene, because it's the one time where all of a sudden, for just a brief glowing moment, I liked this movie, where Luke Perry shows up to the dance, and it's just that prom scenes in movies are so good, always, that even in this dumb movie, I, I loved it, just for a, a second, where they're just both at the prom together, and they're having their little moment, and the prom music's playing, and they're, you know, she's in her dress, and he's all dappered up and i'm like oh yeah like like you just can't go wrong with the prom meet cute yeah so much so that even here it was good it was good and it was not my favorite scene but i did like that when she has to leave to fight the vamps he gives her his leather jacket very bones such yeah. a bones move <laughs> yeah. yeah he really was a proto bones without being a vampire <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so vampires attack the prom, and I do like that at least immediately everyone just identifies that it's a vampire attack. It's not one of these dumb situations where no one's ever heard of a vampire. Like, they're all right away. They're just like, oh, fuck. Like, I think maybe my favorite line of the whole movie as the vampires start to beat in the windows. I don't know which character it was, but one of the guys at the prom goes, is somebody serious? <laughs> <laughs> talk and i like yeah i got my note too about the leather jacket but i liked about that though is uh i assumed he gave her the leather jacket just to help her avoid bites and i just like that basic like let's just do a little bit of just something to make it a little harder to get bit because that was a big pet peeve of mine in that zombie game the last of us where there's this character tess who really early on gets bit by a zombie but she's She's like in a sleeveless little denim thing all the time. And it's like if you're in a world where you're always worried about getting bit by something, like wear a leather jacket. I don't care if it's a little hot outside. <laughs> like, you know, like just take some fucking precaution to your fucking life, please. And I like that they did that here. So that was nice. Yeah. Uh, and then Pee Wee Herman, she fights. And yeah, he's where he has this big, long death scene. So, uh, yeah, it's just just weird like it was funny how he just wouldn't die and he kept kicking the wall and like it's a funny scene but it's just just inappropriate just weird it was just an outtake that they just put in the movie it was so funny though yeah (laughs) it was so funny i would watch that so many times and it did reach across the ages like the only thing i remembered about this movie was Wee herman i think i said it in one of the early episodes of this podcast that yeah. Wee herman's death scene was way too long and was funny <laughs> that's the only thing i remembered so yeah me too and i just always had that memory of david arquette when he goes to see luke perry and he's like flying outside his window and it just looks so phony and bad <laughs> right uh, speaking of, yeah, they have their big climactic finale where Luke Perry fights David Arquette and David Arquette offers to make Luke Perry into a vampire, which I got to admit, I mean, I might take that deal. If my friend was a vampire and eats either this or I'm going to be killed, I might be like, yeah, you know, okay. Yeah. I guess I'll be a vampire. How bad could it be? Vamp it up. Uh, man, yeah, these my notes are getting weird and confusing. So I guess Lothos showed up at the prom and then <laughs> Buffy... You know, she had learned some philosophical lesson by just remembering something weird and vague that Donald Sutherland said, and I didn't really get it, and it gives her the strength to break free of the thrall, and she lights she lights Lothos's head on fire. Oh, yeah, he's not at the prom yet. She lights his head on fire and runs off, and for 1992, the effect's not that bad, mm-hmm. but then he follows her back to the prom so they can have their final incredibly poor fight scene. There was a moment that was so good with Hilary Swank and her friend. So, like, Hilary Swank is being, like taken away and then her friend comes in and rescues her and pulls her back and then when she does that they switch positions and then the vampire grabs Hillary Swank's friend and then she just stands there and lets it happen she was totally rescued and her friend's just like bye bitch <laughs> and I guess I guess Luke Perry beat David Arquette I don't know that written down either <laughs> at this point I was clearly like guys will this movie just fucking end yeah so yeah Everyone fights. The good guys win. Buffy and Luke ride off on a motorcycle. The end. I don't know. (laughs) Yep. Pretty much. And then for some reason, isn't it weird, those credits? I don't know how actor credit stuff works, but why do they pick sometimes just specific people to really focus on? Like in this case, it was Candy Clark as Buffy's mom is like the first big credit. It's like, who the fuck? She was in this movie for one second. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because I was just looking at my notes and my very last note just says, why Candy Clark? And I was like, why did I write that? What does that even mean? (laughs) As I was reading it, you answered it. Yeah, why her? It's weird. 
She was not in the movie. Is she some kind of a name that I don't know? She has to be like someone from old Hollywood or something because they made a big thing about her and she was barely in the movie. Uh, oh, yeah, it looks like she is uh, an American actress and model. She is well known for her roles as Debbie Dunham in the 1973 American Graffiti, for which she received an Academy Award. So I guess she's kind of a name oh, okay. that I don't know. She's well known for having hot yabo. Yeah, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> there is a like a post credit scene that this is, again, classic fucking weird... It's weird because I grew up in the 90s or like I was a teen in the 90s. I thought the 90s was pretty progressive and stuff. I always thought of the 80s as weird. Like, let's just make rape jokes and be horrible. But the 90s, when you look back, was just as bad. Just all this weird shit that people thought was okay. And in this, so Buffy's ex-boyfriend who broke up with her, even though she had amazing yabos. During the post credits, they're interviewing people about like, oh, what'd you think about the vampire attack? And he's with the girl he was hanging out with that night. And she just starts crying halfway through the little interview and says, I can't believe I let you do that to me. Like, and it's supposed to be like a funny joke, but what did he fucking do to her? That's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just like, haha, funny joke. Let's make sure everyone's happy when they leave the theater. And I think what they want to uh, imply to us is that it was anal, right? <laughs> yeah, or something, or just anything. I don't know. It just, But it, she clearly was involved in sexual acts that she did not want to do, even. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's not... like the final big haha of the movie. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, that's really messed up. The 80s still was worse, though. The best one ever was me and Craig when we lived together. We were watching uh, Craig of the famous podcast Blossom Buddies, which <laughs> you can find in podcast services everywhere. We were watching Hot Dog the Movie. Were you there when we watched that, Mike? Uh, I don't think so, no. It's like this ski school, like ski resort movie from the 80s. And uh, there's this one character who his whole thing is he's like a bartender at this ski resort. And he always overserves women until they pass out. <laughs> and every time he does, people are like, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. And it's a hilarious joke. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, like in the 80s was fucking insane. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> the, the classic one is always Revenge of the Nerds where, you know, this dude just pretends to be someone else and bangs this girl and she's just like wow that was so great that that happened <laughs> just like what anyway but yeah can we talk about uh all of the changes of lore that we saw in this movie like there's the uh the birthmark thing i don't think there's anything about that ever in the show that i can remember Mm-mm. i don't even remember it from no. this movie what was it that <laughs> she had a weird birthmark they said it at the very beginning in the cold open like they can recognize the slayer or the next chosen one because they always have the same birthmark like somewhere around here and Buffy had it too but she had it she's like ew you mean that gross thing I had that lasered off yeah (laughs) yeah that oh that that mark on my yabo (laughs) (laughs) yeah which I didn't mind that I mean that wouldn't have killed them to put that in the show just to because yeah I've seen the whole show and maybe I missed something or I'm forgetting but Keith did they ever really explain like how they know like how do they know Buffy is the slayer uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do get into that more later. I'm not sure. Because I was wondering, too, because it's always like there's only one Slayer at a time. And when the one Slayer dies, the next is chosen. But then I maybe again, maybe this will come up in the show later. And I just don't remember. But so does that mean until you're chosen, you don't have powers yet? I don't know. Like, I think that they know they're Slayers usually, and they have a Watcher, but maybe they just only gain their superpowers once the previous Slayer dies. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Huh. You know, I was thinking, too, maybe I'll give a, a quick little shout-out that uh, 
you know, I think we got we got an okay. We we're like a uh, we're a, a boutique podcast, a bespoke podcast. You know, we have a small but uh, say another b word discern- discerning baroque bodacious dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> We got we got a pretty good following on Instagram going. Which yeah, by the way, if you ever uh, you know if we have a week where we don't post, I always post something on the Instagram Buffy Podcast. So just hop on there and I'll I'll give you the the four one one the update. You gotta get on that gram. Yeah, there's so many. It's literally insane. Of just like every day, there's brand new accounts that have you know Buffy names and Buffy like icons that I just just follow all the Buffy shit. And it's like man, like Buffy is just. It's just, it is kind of amazing that it just never, it never died and it never will. <laughs> so, well. And here we are. But this guy on YouTube, I just thought this was interesting. This guy, Brooklyn Richardson, who has never seen Buffy. And I just think this is extra interesting because he, what he does is he listens to our podcast first and then he watches the episode to see if he agrees with us or not. And I actually think that's kind of awesome. <laughs> like what a weird way to watch Buffy. Oh, wow. That's fun. Brooklyn, in the comments, can you rate us in order of who you like the most and who you like the least? Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, send us nudes. Oh, no. And also rate your rate your own Bobo. Ding dong. Hello. <laughs> Man, it was, it was so funny, too, where for whatever reason, I was like listening back to uh, our first batch of recordings where we did the first, uh, you know, pilot of the show. And at the very end of the pilot or I was like, okay, I guess we got to have a sign off now. Like, I don't know what's, what's going to be our epic classic sign off. And then there's a moment of silence. And then Julian sealed his fate forever because he jumped in and did the hilarious recap. Yeah. And it's like, that was it. That was the moment that he signed sealed his fate forever. Mm -hmm. So speaking of Julian, how, how, (laughs) how would you summarize our experience with Buffy, the 1992 film? Buffy sucks. The end. Oh my god.